0: Like I promise you, that 10 unit is not going to cause you any more pain or suffering or stress or time than that duplex would. And you're going to make way more money.
1: Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, excited to have another great guest. We got Vince Gethings. Vince, how are you doing today?
0: Great. How are you doing, Todd?
1: I am fantastic. So a little bit about Vince. He has over seven years of multifamily investing experience. He currently owns and operates 20 units in his personal portfolio, An additional 52 units in his JV, 48 units as a GP, Uh, And uh, still kicking butt. So you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong because you're probably just buying stuff all the time here. So uh, he specializes in market research, due diligence, strategic planning, project oversight, and execution. Uh, Recently held the position of resource advisor for the U.S. Air Force, where he drafted and managed the operational funds and projects for a $1.4 billion enterprise. So with that said, Vince, why don't you give our listeners a little bit more about your background and uh, what you're doing today?
0: Yeah. um, Thanks for that background. So yeah, I'm active duty Air Force, just about 14 um, and a half years. I'll be transitioning out of the military right at my 15 year mark, which is kind of contrarian to anybody in the military. They they tell me to stick out to 20, but I'm very passionate about um, real estate and i um, ready to make that jump and, you know, cut the ties at the W-2, even if it is the the guaranteed pension that I'm giving up and I do real estate full-time. Uh, for the, the bio, um, I got to update that. So right now, uh, you know, we're March, 2021, we're at 290 units Nice. with another 200 under contract right now uh, that'll be closing here over the next, you know, 60 days or so. So we we'll definitely have that, that traction, that momentum that people talk about um, we're in it. And it's pretty exciting to to be along for that ride of watching uh, this this growth that people talk about, this exponential growth. When you once you hit that that hockey stick kind of curve, um, yeah, we're we're living it. So it's pretty awesome.
1: Well, let's let's talk about that because a lot of people want to know what that's like. We hear from all kinds of people that already that already have you know. 2000 units or whatever and it's like oh that was that was ancient history so it's a lot it's, it's fun to talk to somebody who's right in that growth curve yeah. as we speak so let's let's talk a little bit about the growth curve um maybe just give me a little overview of of where you you know we already talked a little bit about where you're at but like what what, are you, what have you been doing to get that growth curve going and, and we'll go from there
0: absolutely that's a really good question because i uh, i remember like even just like three years ago talking to people like you know i, I talked to like kenny wolf or something like that i'm like this guy has four thousand units like that's crazy i can't you know and then um like it's almost not relatable like out you can't picture yourself as, at that level so when you now when you're seeing like somebody that's like 300 units or something like that then it's, it's a lot more relatable to be able to kind of understand where they're coming from so good question so um I guess I can give you kind of a timeline and then kind of answer that. So I started real estate, like investing in 2016, uh, from 2016 to 2018, I bought about 20 units, but they're all duplexes and fourplexes. All I knew at that time was like bigger pockets. So all like Brandon Turner's books and everything like that great for buying, you know, the smaller property. Then I hit a wall because I ran out of capital and with residential, it's not as easy to uh, do like refi and rolls and things like that. Um, just because it just takes longer to capture that equity, uh, so had about 20 units. Realized that multifamily is the the way to go. Um, so we switched over our education to get more multifamily experience. Uh, get some coaches, some mentors there. Then 2019, we bought a 52 unit, and that's that JV you said about in the intro. Um, and then 2020, we did our first syndication, which was a 48 unit um during the beginning of 2020 right when COVID, almost a year uh we're on the 11th month right now with that acquisition and then at the end of 2020 we closed three more deals by the end of 2020 and that is so between really when it took off is you know, we closed the first syndication that was like the most stressful thing anyway like why does anybody want to do this is so much extra work jv's are so much easier and, and they are um but syndication is a tool and it's a, it, you know and it has its benefits um and once we figured that out, uh, we, we kept really good documentation of it. So everything we did right, everything we did wrong, lessons learned, documented our systems, our processes. And that was like April, so March, April last year. And when you do that, it's very tedious, very time consuming, but it's like solving the Rubik's Cube. And if you ever solve the Rubik's Cube once, how fast can you do it? It might take 10 years to solve it the first time, but once you solve it, you figure out the algorithm, then it's just like, I can do this in two minutes now. Right. And that's kind of what it was like. Cause that was April of 2020. We closed that first 48 unit. We got under contract on a a 57 unit in September, like a 22 unit in August. And then we came on as a co-sponsor on a 72 unit in like October. We closed all of them in the last two weeks of December. Um, so we essentially doubled our portfolio in one month, within two weeks period. And it was all just like, again, solving that Rubik's Cube. And it was a lot, it, the stress was a little high just cause you have three deals going parallel approaching the end of the year. So people are, you know, a little bit antsy, but solving the Rubik's Cube stick to systems of process, good documentation. And we did it. We closed all three of them uh, by the end of the, by the end of the year, we closed. The last one was like, it was uh, like 2.30 PM on the 31st of December I was signing <laughs> Uh, the documents, the last one. And I was like, wow, this is, this is what it's like that people talk about that exponential growth that like hitting that hockey stick curve. Cause like, you know, nine months earlier, I was like stressing out cause I did my first 48 unit. And then it's, again, you, you develop systems of processes, those team, uh, those team, um, team relationships and everything like that. And then it's just off to the races from there and just rinse and repeat. And then now again, three months later, we have another uh, three deals under contract.
1: 160
0: units so
1: that's great you know what was that what was that mindset like what made you go i'm buying these duplexes fourplexes i'm gonna buy a 52 unit building i think or 58 unit whatever it was you're like that's that's a big jump right it's not like you went bought a duplex and then went and bought a 10 unit building so what was that mindset shift like what got you to say okay i can do this
0: yeah, there was a couple um, aha moments, as you know, they like to say. Um, the first one came when so I had the 20 units, right? So I had the, I had the 20 units. at the time, I thought I was doing pretty good. So the first aha moment came when I was like, I have 20 units, I have decent systems for my level of education and, and experience. Um, but I was still spending a lot of time to manage these 20 units. And I wasn't even managing, I was I had third party management, I was still like, because that's, that's 20 units, about six or seven properties, I think addresses so that's you know, seven insurance bills, seven tax bills, seven, seven of everything, right? For, for just 20 units. So I was like, man, this is kind of turning into a, a part-time job, not really that passive. And then, um, so that was one of the other things like I realized I was building another job. Uh, one of the other um, aha moments was the, um, I went to go reply. So when you're doing the small properties, they're they're a lot easier to get because they're, they're a lot more plentiful. You can go get conventional loans, 30 year AMS, you know, 20% down financing really, if your credit's good, you're probably going to get the loan. Right. So that works for a few when you're, when you're trying to scale and grow a portfolio, but then you're going to run some issues like your debt to income ratio that Mm -hmm. most people often don't think about that. So when you're trying to scale and you're like, okay, I want to get 50 units in in three years, um, that's a lot harder to do when you're doing duplexes than when you're doing multifamily, aside from just capital alone, even if the, the capital injections, the same amount, just because you're going to be doing, uh, you know, conventional loans, when you're going to get cut off um, from the conventional loan, somewhere around like seven or 10, they're just going to cut you off and so you can't get anymore. And then two, every single one of those is on your personal credit. So I had 20 cash-flowing units portfolio was very healthy. And like your debt to income ratio was like 80%. Get out of here. Like, like you're not, we're not giving you another cent. I was like, well, I didn't think of that. So then I was like, okay, that's a problem. You know, aha moment. My, my personal credit is trash now. Uh, So I was like, well, I'll wrap them up in a portfolio loan, refinance them into the LLC, uh, refinance the debt into the LLC and get them off my personal name. So that's what I was going to do. It was a great plan. Uh, I went to do that and residential properties, that other aha moment is there are comp value approach versus income value approach. So I got all my appraisals back and there I got slaughtered. And I was like, this is crazy. I bought this four unit for 170,000, increased rents, you know, $200 a door, put like 50 grand into it, you know, making it all nice, it's the best property on the block. And the appraiser's like, yeah, but it's also the only property on the block. Like the next one's like three miles away, um, so it's worth $170,000. I have nothing to comp it against.
1: Yeah. doesn't, doesn't and matter it, how much money it brings in.
0: Exactly. Or how, how nice it is. It's, yeah. it's, it's going to be, it's worth the same one across the street. And yep. that one sold six months ago for 180 years worth 180. Yeah. Um, so that, I just had like, you know, a bunch of money just vaporized, you know, essentially on paper, like the only way to capture that would be to, to sell it. Yep. So I ended up losing a bunch of equity there. And that was like kind of the last straw of, of that, of just having all, all, all my um, equity illiquid couldn't couldn't capture it. I had good cash flow, but you can't scale with just cash flow. So I, I was like, okay, that this this small properties is is not the way to grow. If you want to get to a hundred units, and you're trying to get there with duplexes, you're in you're in for decades. It's gonna yeah. take decades to do that. So, um, or, I don't know, decades, but a very very long time, took a long lot longer time. than my timeline, and so that was another aha moment and then that was solidified i was at a meetup and i had again 20 units i was at one of the local rias and i was talking with an older gentleman um somewhere around uh maybe like 55 and he's like wow you got 20 he's like you know in another you know if you but if you keep up by the time you're at me you you'd be at like 60. and i was like what like what what'd you say <laughs> like that's like 30 years from now and i'm only gonna be at 60 units um and that was the other thing uh was just like my my goal was like 200. Like I'll never reach my goal if I'm, if I just keep just buying duplexes. So I was like, I got to figure something
1: out. Hey, real quick. I just want to let you know about the multifamily challenge that we got going on. It's a five day multifamily challenge on how to get an offer and, Quickly, right? So we're going to teach you in five days, five one-hour sessions. We're going to go through the steps and the process to get there. So go to mfichallenge.com, mfichallenge.com. You can sign up; it's free. If you want the VIP, there's a bunch of things that we'll give away too. You got to, you got, you do have to pay for that. But hey, it's going to be well worth it. Again, you can get in for free. We're going to teach you how to get that offer across the table, get the LOI in, uh all the steps. So Ellis Hammond and I, Alice was episode 316. Check check out his episode. And we're gonna be doing this next week. So sign up now at MFIChallenge.com, MFI Challenge.com and get in there. We're uh we're doing it next week and it's gonna be awesome. So hope to see you there.
0: And I'm seeing guys like you know David Tupin and stuff like that. We're starting to um you know uh, spin up i'm like this guy's younger than me and he's crushing it what's he know it was multifamily so went out find some good coaching and uh that was for, so for context of how much this the, the the actual like uh start of that curve was fall 2018 was when i was like i'm done with i'm never gonna buy another duplex again i'm only going commercial i went in joined one of those coaching groups got all the education i need fall of 2018 and by um March, 2019, I was under contract on that 52 unit. So, and then from there, again, off to the races, like that was like the start of the curve, like at, or start of a curve, because I was kind of on this linear path of, you know, a couple duplexes a year. And it's like, okay, now we started curving once I went to commercial. And then you know, learn all the best things about, you know, scaling and economies of scale and efficiencies, um, you know, all the tax benefits that's just blow residential out of the water. And it's like, uh, yeah, income value approach of, you know, increase the NOI. You get wealthy, right? It's like it's it's a very uh, much better equation. Uh, so I was like, I'm never going back.
1: So w- when you talk off to the races, like what 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 type of things were you seeing? You bought that first property, you got the second property. What types of things are you seeing that helps you with your success Was it just a mindset thing, or is there you know, or people respect you more? What what were you seeing? Uh, how are you how are you able to continue to grow?
0: Got it. So I think the first one's definitely mindset, because a lot of people like that's not achievable. It's it's really not that hard. Um, It's not like rocket science what we do. A lot of it's just people have uh, these internal limiting beliefs, and we talk about that a lot. A lot of the coaches and and guru type people talk about limiting beliefs, like it's some kind of buzzword and kind of gets old, but it's absolutely true. When I try to tell people, of even like my coworkers and stuff, I'm like, hey, you can go buy like you're talking about buying a like a duplex. I'm like, you can go buy a ten unit. Like I promise you. That ten unit is not going to cause you any more pain or suffering or stress or time than that duplex would, mm-hmm. and you're going to make way more money. And it's a commercial property, and you can grow and scale your wealth. Um, so a lot of it's mindset. People think it's like, oh, multifamily scary, but it's easier. These properties get easier the bigger they are. Yeah. Um, the other side of it is control. Um, a lot of people they feel like they need to control every aspect, uh, either it's from either a scarcity mindset or from a um, I just need to have my, I need to be able to control everything because that's how my brain works. I need to control every aspect. I don't trust people, things like that. Like I need to make sure it's done right. So I need to do everything. That is probably one of the biggest limiting, um, behaviors of people like actually hitting that, that growth. Um, because if they have to do everything, they're their own bottleneck to their own growth. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you get over there, like, okay, I'm going to find some really good teammates that have the same ethics, values, principles, goals, timelines that I do and that I like, I like, the, you know, they're fun to be around and I, we have good working relationship team up with them. And then now you get like the kind of those synergistic effects where you can do two um, you know, two or three four people where each of you may have only been able to take down a 10 unit. Right. So individually, you might have 40 units that you may have to take down. You get four people together. I'm at 290 units in you know, uh, a year and a half since joining my team. And there's only four of us where each of us on our own, where we, we uh, before we joined had a little bit of a real estate experience. Like, you know, I had 20 units, my partner Duke had, you know, a few units, Steve had a couple um, units and a couple Airbnbs, but we didn't, we weren't like scaling because we were on bottlenecks. So there's no delegation. There's no dividing up responsibility. There's no focusing on things you're good at and, and passing off things that you're not good at to somebody that can complement that. It's just you're you have to do everything. Yeah. Uh, so that was probably one of the biggest ones is teaming up with other like-minded people um and hitting that synergy and and scaling really fast because of that.
1: Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, I tried to go at it alone for a long time in the multifamily world, and once you start teaming up with people, it just you you yeah, are you giving up a little bit of control? Absolutely. Are you giving up uh, some equity? Absolutely, but what you're gaining is just far greater than what you're giving up. Uh, it, there's no question about it. So, mm-hmm. what uh, what's a mistake that you've made along the way, and, and how have you learned from it?
0: Great question. So, some of the mistakes we made. Um, so, one of the best uh, best practices for the mistakes is keep really detailed notes, especially if it's the first time of doing anything, hmm. is just keep a running log of everything you guys do, the first deal you do, and then do like an after action kind of debrief of like when the deal closes or if the deal falls through, just like, okay, let's go back, look and see where we screwed this thing up to develop a system process and learn from it. Uh, so having the documentation um, of uh, the deal as, it, as it's progressing, like almost like a daily journal. That's what I did on our first syndication meeting. I did a daily or weekly journal of this is what I did right this week, this is what I did wrong this week. So one of the first things is um, having ambiguity in roles is uh, very detrimental to team growth. So if you're like, okay, let's get, let's all join the team and we're all gonna go tackle this deal together. Mm-hmm. And then you get a deal on a contract and then it's like weeks go by and like, I thought you were doing this. Well, I thought you were doing this, right? That adds a lot of friction and a lot of delays and things like that. Like who called the insurance company? We're closing in two weeks. Like, well, no, you're not. <laughs> like, not if you've nobody's even called the insurance company. Do you even have loss run? Like things like that. So, having that ambiguity of roles, um, one, it, it'll just delay everything, and it causes a lot of friction because roles often the next conversation is going to be like, okay, what's the compensation for the role that you get uh, that you're you're signing up to do? So, you have to be very clear on your roles of each team member, so they have the accountability of it. Have some kind of team accountability thing mechanism. Um, like a tracker, you know, Trello or Asana or Monday or something like that, and then make sure the compensation compensation matches. So if you have ninety percent of the you know, one person's doing ninety percent of the work, they should be compensated more than the other people. And that was one of the big mistakes we did: is I went from a JV, which was uh, everybody putting twenty five percent, equity was split twenty five percent, couldn't it be easier. Then going to a syndication, and we're like, oh, we'll just copy that over to syndication. We'll all be sponsors. it will be great. Um, then quickly realizing that the roles people were doing were not 25%. It was like 80, 20 Why the 80, 20 principle is So prevalent in everything is, it was like, you know, 80% of the results were coming from 20% of the, you know, the people on the team. Um, so that, you know, led to a lot of resentment. It was like, Hey, we're all 25% here, but I'm doing like, you know, 20 day, 20 hour shifts to close this deal. And, you know, you're hanging out at the beach. So, (laughs) uh, we need to talk about this. So, We, you know, we got through it and it was a lesson learned of talk, figure out the compensation structure, the roles, get very clear on that, get those accountability measures in place before going into the deal. Cause having, even if it's a little bit uncomfortable at first, it, you know, especially if you have preexisting, um, you know, it's like your brother-in-law or something, I mean, it's kind of weird to talk about stuff like that, but do it now because it's going to get a lot worse. Like, you know, the 11th hour on a deal and you got earnest money hard and all this stuff. And then now you bring it up or, or even six months later, You know, when you're in the deal or even worse, when you sell the deal, it's like, how'd this con just get a check for $2 million and he hasn't made one meeting in the last five years, right? Things like that. And then it's a lot of resentment. So uh, that was one of the uh, big things we messed up on. The first one is not getting very clear on roles, responsibilities, and compensation structures uh, for the, for the teammates.
1: Yeah. When emotions are running high, that's not when you want to be making decisions or saying, this is what we deserve and don't deserve and so on. Yep. That that's when people's feelings to get hurt and nobody's nobody's happy in the end. For sure. So yeah. um what what um you know so, somebody kind of going, hey, I I like I'd like to go from duplexes to be buying larger buildings. Um what are what are like other than what we've kind of discussed, what are maybe one or two key critical, let's, let's do two or two or three key critical things that you think were really important for you to be able to be successful. Hmm.
0: So before before going in, like, what was that kind of the, the behaviors I had or... Uh,
1: yeah. Either behaviors you're at or steps you took, you know, okay. um, you know, what, what were some of the big steps that you were able that you had to take in order to, to actually be successful?
0: Got it. So I am a very much uh, burn the ship person. Um, I just, my personality, I can't have a, a way to retreat. Um, so for me to make that jump again, the people uh, it's had that that made mindset, like I, so I got the education, you know, 2018 and all that area. I went out, got read all the books, you know, all the, all the big books out there for commercial investing, joined the, the the coaching group. And I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta burn the ship. Like there's no going back. It's multifamily or, or nothing. Um, so that was a big thing for me, which is burn the ship and jump in, you know, jump, jump in, just do it, uh, figure out on the way there. Um, having the, the discipline and the accountability is huge, especially if you're somebody that, um, if you're if you know yourself and you know that you procrastinate a lot or you'll try to make excuses up, um, you know, for, for yourself or like, Oh, I couldn't do this because of this. Like, ah, you're making an excuse. Like you might be telling other people that, but you're not gonna be able to look in the mirror and keep saying that excuse over and over again. Like, you know, the buck has stopped somewhere. So having the accountability and the discipline and no excuses, just, just get it done. Um, and having that, um, you know, personal responsibility I think is really huge. Um, and let me think this getting ed, just always be getting education kind of check your ego i think is a big one too a lot of people have you know they get you know kind of the ego gets in the way of their own of themselves um so you know kind of checking the ego being humble realize that you know yes i can probably learn something from this person half my age or something like that or you know i don't know there's a lot of different examples of that but especially getting into other groups and other team uh situations i think check the ego is very important as well to be successful in business. Um, yeah. Cause otherwise you just get in your own way and it, it's very detrimental to your growth.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. What's um, what's a favorite book that you can recommend to our listeners?
0: What, what topic?
1: What's your favorite book?
0: Oh man, I have so many favorite books. Um, yeah. so to keep in the vein of what we were just been talking about, um, the seven habits of highly effective people mm. is, uh, one of the foundational uh, books that I've read to really get my, my butt in gear, uh, take responsibility for, you know, my life, and my actions, and, you know, stop making excuses. Like it's up to me. I, I can't blame this on other anybody else. I can't make, you know, what was me kind of excuses. If I want this, then I'm, I'm going to be the one that has to make the moves and make it happen. Uh, so the seven habits of Highly effective people, Stephen Covey. I'm actually rereading it right now for like the, the third or fourth time. Um
1: what's one yeah, of your ha- what's one of your habits? Um, what's one habit that, that that you think is really critical for yourself um, that you have
0: for myself? I would say the 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 private wins of just the the accountability, I think is very important. I think it's something that a lot of people lack is personal accountability. Uh, you know, I've kind of said it a couple of times, um, but I think that's the biggest one. And that's kind of how the, the whole book starts out, was like, just stop making excuses, take accountability for yourself. Um, if you want something bad enough, you know, what's your why? Uh, the, you know, why do you do this? With, you know, the why has to be very strong. And once you figure out that why, there's no excuses, Yeah. right? You know, an example um, of that would be, and why do we invest in real estate? Well. If, uh, to make a lot of money. Like, no, nah, that's not why. Like, why do you invest in real estate? Well, it's, you know, financial independence. Why? Well, because I have these wife and kids and I want to spend time with them. Why? Well, because I grew up and my, my parents were never there. My dad's working all the time. My mom was, you know, whatever. And I didn't have that. So I want to have it for my children. I'm like, okay, now we have a why, right? You want to provide a life for your your children that you didn't have. Um, and that's, and they get pretty strong. People can get really emotional about it. And that's where you need to be. And then now it's like, okay, you have that why now it's, what are you willing to give up to make sure that that is a reality? And once you compare that to compared to like literally anything like Netflix saying, you know, next the game on Sunday, you know, going to the bar with, you know, friends, it's like my kids, you know, self-esteem and confidence and future and, and, you know, growth as, you know, smart, healthy, you know, citizens or like football. Yeah. Right. So it's like, it makes it very easy. And a lot of people just never even go down that exercise of just like, it's
1: uncomfortable.
0: It is uncomfortable. Um, but that's where you need to get to, you need to get to that uncomfortable, you know, mushy, emotional feel to find that why and put that in like the forefront of every action you do. And when you look at opportunity cost, and that's another question, um, kind of back to the habit thing is I always look at opportunity cost of like, which is, you know, this decision versus that decision. Am I willing to pay that price? Right. So I'm like, okay, I can do this, you know, invest in, you know, this, this LP position over here for 30 grand in my own deal or somebody else's deal. Um, or I can go buy, you know, a a Tesla. All right. So Tesla sounds pretty cool, but what am I giving up? Well, I'm giving up that, that feeling of being able to provide for my, my children and giving them the life. And then it's like, Oh yeah, Tesla suck. Like I'm, I'm going that route. It's not even a, it's not even a competition anymore when you break it down like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Uh, listen. What uh, last question here uh, before we wrap up? What are your three pillars of wealth creation? Three pillars of wealth.
0: Oh man, um, three pillars of wealth. I probably should have been prepared for that one, huh? Nope. Oh, okay. So I say team uh, accountability. I know, mean, we kind of that's been one of the themes of the, this call. Um, accountability teams and um i don't know systems and processes <laughs> i I'm pretty good
1: perfect perfect love i don't know
0: that's perfect i'll probably i'll probably as soon as i get off the call I'll be like man i should have said this one but no <laughs>
1: oh, i see I, li- I like what first comes to people's heads that's what yeah. i like to I, I don't like i don't love preparing people for questions yeah. because then you just think too hard yeah. i want what's natural um, well, good stuff. Uh I really appreciate you joining us. How can our listeners get in touch with you, to learn more about what you're going on what you got going on and, and just get to know you?
0: Of course. Yeah. So we have uh tricityequity.com is our website. Um, or you can reach out to me. Um on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh Vincent Gething's pretty uncommon name. Um, so pretty easy to find on, on Facebook
1: and LinkedIn. Awesome. Awesome. We'll, we'll link that all to the show notes there too. So everybody can just go on the show notes and and get in touch with uh, Vincent if uh, they want a conversation. So again, appreciate you joining us and you have a fantastic rest of the day.